Now, <clears throat> I, I love Mother's Day, but I really love Father's Day. Hallelujah. And uh, amen. Fathers, uh, hope and pray from the bottom of my heart that uh, God blesses each and every one of you this morning, this all day long. We live in a culture that's uh, not too wild about fathers, and it seems like they're not too wild about fathers, but God is wild about fathers. God loves fathers. God has called us to be uh, not only dads and grandfathers, he's called us to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. And what we're going to talk about is that God has a plan to bless us. God has a plan to make us effective as dads. Now, we have a tendency as fathers, with all the things going on in our lives, to kind of wander through life and do the best we can as dads. But we're going to see in Scripture this morning that God really, he has a very specific plan for us. When we get a taste of that plan, it makes sense, and it's a great blessing to us. And not only is it a blessing to us, what God wants is for us to bear fruit in our lives so that through us, we will bear fruit in the lives of our children. So we're going to turn in our Bibles this morning to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 13 through verse 17. If you don't have a Bible with you, you'll look inside your bulletin. You'll find a handout that looks like this. If you take that out, we'd appreciate that. A couple of things we want you to write down, if you would, please. In the meantime, our sister Eunice is going to read this for us in English, and our sister Adelia is going to read it for us in French. And as they make their way to the pulpit, if you're willing and able, please uh, stand for the reading of the Word of God. Is Adelia here? Okay, thank you, my friend. Good morning. Good morning. As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the Spirit, who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teachings we pass on to you both in person and by letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, encourage our heart and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. Nous disons dans l'Épître aux Thessaloniciens, deuxième Épître aux Thessaloniciens, au chapitre 2, du verset 13 jusqu'au verset 17, nous allons dire au nom de Jésus-Christ. Pour nous, frères bien-aimés du Seigneur, nous devons à votre sujet rendre continuellement grâce à Dieu parce que Dieu vous a choisi dès le commencement pour le salut par la sanctification de l'esprit et par la foi en la vérité. C'est à quoi il vous a appelé par notre évangile, pour que vous possédiez la gloire de notre Seigneur Jésus-Christ. Ainsi donc, frères, demeurez fermes et retenez les instructions que vous avez reçues, soit par notre parole, soit par notre lettre. 
que notre Seigneur Jésus-Christ lui-même et Dieu, notre Père, qui nous a aimés et qui nous a donné par sa grâce une consolation éternelle et une bonne espérance, console vos cœurs et vous affermisse en toute bonne œuvre et en toute bonne parole. Amen. Amen. Gloire à Dieu. We thank you, Lord. Praise your name that you are the perfect heavenly Father. You are our inspiration. You are our life and love. And so, God, we pray this morning that you would use your word to bless our hearts, to encourage us as dads, that we would be effective and fruitful for the kingdom of God. Yes. We pray for this and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. you. May be seated. Thank you, Eunice. Thank you, my friend. All right. God's plan for making us as dads effective. God intends for us to bear fruit in our lives, and as we bear fruit in our lives, that we would be bearing fruit in the lives of our children, that we would be effective in their lives, we would be blessing them in their lives so that they would be a blessing to others. But there has to be a plan. There has to be some way of understanding how God wants to do this in us and through us. Now, before we jump into the text, there's three important things that will help us with this passage of Scripture, three important background items to note that will help us in, in understanding this passage. First of all, it was written by the Apostle Paul, and he was writing to uh, believers in the city of Thessalonica, the ancient world Thessalonica. He had gone into that city, he had preached on the street corners, he had preached in synagogues, and people came to faith in Jesus. He began to gather them together, they formed a little church, they began to worship together, and he began to teach them the Word of God. Now what you need to understand first and foremost is that as he led those to faith in Jesus, he became their spiritual father. If you lead somebody to faith in Jesus, you become their spiritual father, you become their spiritual mother. They begin to, they begin to look to you for nourishment, for teaching, for guidance in the things of God. So he was their spiritual father. Now, as dads, we need to understand that we are physical dads. We see our children be born into the world. It's a great and wonderful thing. As we talked about earlier, we got to see our grandson has been born into the world. But my son is the spiritual father of my grandson. It's God's plan and God's intention that we as fathers, as dads, would understand that we're not only physical fathers, we are spiritual fathers to our children. And his expectation is that we would be leading them, guiding them, Bearing fruit, bearing fruit in our lives so that it will bear fruit in their lives. So we have to fix that in, in our minds. The Apostle Paul was very clear he was their spiritual father. Now, unfortunately, for whatever reason, he had to be taken out of the city suddenly. He wasn't there for very long. It's pretty amazing all that he taught them in a, short, a very short amount of time. But having left the city, left, having leaving these young believers behind, suddenly persecution began to flood into their lives. Uh, some of them were, uh, some of their family members turned their backs on them. Uh, they suffered. Some of them suffered. Uh, they, they were, some of them were actually executed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, what happened was they began to panic. They began to be filled with anxiety and panic because the third thing that you want to understand is that they were convinced that they had missed the second coming of Jesus. Now, Paul was with them a very short amount of time, and he taught them the doctrines of the Christian faith, 
And the, one, of the, one of the great doctrines of the Christian faith is that Jesus can return at any moment. Today, we, we think of that doctrine. At any moment, Jesus could come back for us and take us out of the world. Now, they were experiencing great tribulation. They were experiencing persecution. Some of them were dying natural deaths. So they began to be, be uh, panicked. They began to worry. They were convinced that they had missed the second coming of Christ. They thought there was something wrong with them. And so Paul, when Paul heard about it, he wrote to them, and this is one of two letters that he wrote to them, to help calm them down, help them understand that they did not miss the second coming of Christ. And in this portion of the letter, we are, we are seeing that he's helping them as a spiritual father, giving them a very simple, clear plan not to only calm down, but to be effective and bear fruit in their lives. And that's what ultimately God wants for each and every one of us that we would bear fruit and that we would be effective in our lives and our children will be that way as we as fathers and grandfathers take that mantle upon ourselves. Understand that that's the call in our lives by God to be effective in, our, in the lives of our children bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. So we want to see three things this morning that the Apostle Paul helps them with not only to calm down but that they would be effective. So if you get a pencil out, the first word that I want you to write down this morning is very simply this. God equips me to be effective. Now that's what the Apostle Paul was doing. He was equipping these young believers. They were spiritually immature. They were falling apart because of all the persecution that was coming into them. So his response is to remind them, uh, don't forget that I have equipped you. I've given you everything that you need to, to, uh, to, to get through this storm. Listen to what the Word of God says in Hebrews 13, verse 21. May He, God, equip you with all you need for doing His will. May He produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to Him, all glory to Him forever and ever. Amen. So here's the Spirit of God equipping the believers, just as God equips you and I as fathers and grandfathers. That's our, that's our job to equip our children to give them, uh, we'll see in a moment, to give them confidence in their lives. Now listen to what Paul says in verse 13, if you would, once again. And we'll see three ways in, in two or three verses, three ways that he equips them. He's, first of all, he helps them understand that they have been chosen by God. Listen to this. As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. Good news there, amen, that we are loved by the Lord. He goes on to say, we are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation. God chose you. Now, what, what we want to understand is that before, before God created the universe in eternity past, he saw each and every one of us, and he loved us with all of his heart. And before he created the universe, he intended and chose us to be a child of the living God by faith in Jesus Christ. God reached into our lives, and he, and he brought us to himself by the great salvation that we have through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now God begins to equip us by helping us understand he has chosen us. Now he's chosen us to salvation. The moment that you trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior, once again, God forgave you of your sins 
past, present, and future. And he filled you with his love and grace, and we'll see that in just a few moments. And we call that salvation. But salvation goes even deeper than that. And here's what we need to understand about salvation. Three, three items about salvation. First of all, you have, been, you have been saved. The moment that you trusted in Christ, you've been saved from the power of sin. You were born into this world under the condemnation of God. You were headed for hell, but the moment that you humbled yourself, you opened your heart to the forgiveness of God, you were saved, from, you came out from underneath that condemnation and into the grace of God. So you have been saved. Secondly, you need to understand that you are being saved. Now what that means is you and I still have an old sin nature in us. It rebels against God. It wants the things of the world. It, 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 uh, it is rebellious against everybody around you. And God wants to break that power in you by replacing it with the power of the Holy Spirit. So you are in the process of being saved, saved out of the old sin nature. But thirdly, someday you and I will be saved. And will be saved means that we will be in heaven with God, new heaven and new earth. We talked about that just a couple of weeks ago. And we will be with God in the presence of God forever and ever. And there will be no hint of sin whatsoever uh, at all in heaven forever and ever. Amen. So we have been saved. We're in the process of being saved. And someday we will be saved. And that sums up salvation. But salvation also is the realization that we have the joy, we have the peace, we have the love, we have the grace, we have all the blessing of God in our lives today, and that becomes more and more real as we grow in faith, as we are, are growing in this process that God is leading us through. Now it's important to understand that, that you and I are in a process. Important for us as fathers and grandfathers to understand that we are in a process of transformation, that God is working in our hearts and our lives because we have to have God as patience with us and therefore we have to have patience with our children. Now, when my kids were little, I'm ashamed to say I didn't have a whole lot of patience for them. I have more patience now because I've grown some, thank the Lord. But we have to have patience. God has patience with us, but they're going through a process. We're going through a process, and he's changing and transforming all of us. We need to understand that. And we see that as that verse continues. Listen to this. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the Spirit, who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. Makes you holy through your belief in the truth. Now, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, the Word of God says something amazing. By that one sacrifice, the one sacrifice of Jesus, God has made us perfect forever, and he's making holy those that he is sanctifying. Now, once again, that, that idea of making holy is a process, a sanctifying process that God is working in our lives through us into our children so that they are changing and transforming. And what God wants us to know is that all this process helps us to feel secure in our lives. We live in a world that's constantly changing. We live in a world where uh, people are shooting one another on baseball fields. We live in a world where people are getting blown up on the streets or run over by cars. It's crazy out there. God wants you and I to be secure in him. He wants our children to see that we are secure in him so that they have a sense of security in their lives. Our wives want us to want to see that we are secure in God so that they experience that security in their lives. We are the spiritual leaders. God is equipping us. 
And so he is working that into our hearts and into our lives. And that's why the Apostle Paul says in verse 14, he called you to salvation when we told you, when we preached to you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now once again, they were convinced that they had missed the second coming of Jesus. And what he's saying in that verse is you have not missed anything, so don't panic. Quiet down. I want you to be secure in what I taught you and what you believe. Listen to what he says in uh, the same letter, chapter 1, verse 10. When he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe, and this includes you, for you believed what we told you about him. You didn't miss anything whatsoever, and what you need to understand is that you are part of the glory of God because of your faith and trust in Jesus, and Jesus is equipping you for everything that you're going to face in life. When my uh, children were little, uh, I used to listen to a, a radio program called People to People, and it was about, about the grace of God. A great man by the name of uh, Bob George uh, every night was on the radio, and uh, this one night that I was listening to his program, he was talking to a little girl. And he was sharing the, with the little girl uh, the gospel. And as he shared with it, he said to her over the radio, would you like to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Well, in the meantime, my daughter came in and sat down beside me, and she was listening to the program with me. Uh, it was clear she was very close to the same age of the little girl that was on the radio. And uh, Bob George prayed with this little girl, and this little girl received Jesus as Lord and Savior. So as my daughter listened to that with me, and when they were done, she turned to me, and she said, Daddy, what were they talking about? So I said, well, Kate, they were talking about what it is to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so I began to explain to her the, uh, the gospel of Jesus. And I said, now that little girl, she prayed to receive Jesus. Would you like to pray and receive Jesus? And she looked at me and said, Daddy, yes, I would. So I prayed with my daughter, and she received Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, that happened because God had equipped me as a dad. And as a dad, when the opportunity came up, I was ready. And I was anxious to share the gospel with her so that my child could come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, dads, you need to understand that God has a Plan that he's working in your life so that you are effective. You're not just wandering through life. You're blessed by God in every possible way. You're the spiritual leader of your family, and he is equipping you so that you are ready at any moment to teach your children, to lead your children, whatever God needs you to do, so that your children, too, will bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Now, with that in mind, the second thing that I want you to see this morning, that Paul is teaching them, the Spirit is teaching you and me, is that God wants you and me as dads and as grandfathers to be confident. So the second word that I want you to write down, if you turn your paper over with me, is the word confident. God makes me confident to be effective. He gives me confidence to be effective. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That is glorious news, that God has taken it upon himself to work in you and me, to bring about good so that he can work through you and me, so that we would not be confident in ourselves, but that we would be confident in him and what he is doing in our lives and through our lives 
particularly to our children, that he's bearing fruit in us so that our children will bear fruit in the world. So he wants us to be confident. Now, Paul goes on to explain that in verse 15. He says, listen to this, with all these things in mind. Take a pencil, if you would, and circle mind. Here's why. You may or may not know this, but your mind is the battleground. The enemy of our soul is attacking you on a daily basis in your mind. and in your, He wants to get into your soul. He wants to break down your will, particularly if you are a father or a grandfather. You're the spiritual leader of your family. So he's going to come after you. He's going to attack you. He's going to confuse you. He's going to discourage you. He's going to bring shame into your life. He's going to build, bring guilt into your life. He's going to do everything in his power to bring you down because you are responsible before God for your family. So the battleground is your mind. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 26, verse 3, he will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. God wants us to be confident in the things of God so that we can withstand the fiery darts of the devil. He wants to separate your children from you, from the teaching that you have for your, uh, for your children. He, is, he doesn't take a nap. He doesn't sleep at night. He is constantly after you because he wants to bring you down as a father and he wants to bring you down as a grandfather because once again, God wants you to be effective and God will make you effective. So God wants you and me to be confident. So, uh, I'm sorry. If you look at the rest of the verse, verse 15, with all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand Firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you. Stand firm. In, uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says, be, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might so that you can make your stand against the devil's schemes. Now here's why. As parents, our children go through, many, all of our children go through times in their lives when they are rebellious against us and ultimately they're being rebellious against God. And they will do things that are not pleasing in your sight, and they're not pleasing in God's sight. And the devil is going after them to draw them away from the things of God. It happens time and time. It happened in my life. It happened in my children's lives. I saw it time and time again. Now, when we see that in their lives, it's easy for us to panic. It's easy for us to be overwhelmed. It, and the devil wants us to give up. Wants to give up on our children. But God does not want us to do that. God wants us to be confident in Him and what He's doing. So we are to stand firm no matter what we see, no matter what we see in our children's lives, no matter what we see in our grandchildren's lives. Our hearts can break over what they're doing, but we need to remain confident in God, confident in what He's doing, because God is the one that is teaching us. And that's what the Apostle Paul says in the rest of the verse. Listen to it again. Keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you, both in person and by letter. Now listen, guys, you got to be in the Word of God. If you're going to bear fruit in your life while you're in this world, if you expect your children to bear fruit, you have got to be in the Word of God. You've got to allow that to sink into your soul, into your spirit. You've got to be with other men that are studying the Word of God. Because your children and your grandchildren are counting on you. You have got to be confident in the teachings of the Word of God. Listen to what Paul says. Wonderful in... Um, I'm sorry, I lost it. 
No, it's on this side. Listen to this. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it is actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. The power of the word of God. Hebrews 6, verse 18 and 19. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may greatly be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. The word of God gets down deep into our soul and it gives us confidence in God. Not confidence in ourselves, but in confidence in what God is doing in us and through us, particularly in our relationship to the Lord, in the teaching that God gives to us. There's a uh, great man of God by the name of uh, Pastor Jim Simula. You've heard me mention him on numerous occasions. He's the pastor of the uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City. And he's on several occasions has told the story of his oldest daughter, Chrissy. Uh, Chrissy grew up in the church and uh, Chrissy used to sit beside her mom on the piano bench as her mom would compose uh, songs for the Brooklyn Tabernacle. When she got into her uh, mid-teens and later teens, suddenly Chrissy became very rebellious against her parents. And uh, her parents were beside themselves. They prayed for her, they uh, directed her, they guided her, they punished her, they restricted her, but she just became more and more defiant of them. And instead of uh, being away at supper time, she was away at night. After a while, she was away for days at a time. They were heartbroken on the inside. At a point in time, uh, Jim's wife came to him and he said, Jim, uh, I'm leaving the city of New York. I've had enough of this. If you want to stay here with this church, all well and good, but I'm taking the rest of our children and I'm leaving because, the, uh, because Satan came to me and he said, I've got your daughter Chrissy and I'm coming after your other children as well and I will have them as well. So if you want to stay in this city, God bless you, but I'm taking our kids and I'm leaving the city. Well, Pastor Jim has said that in spite of all these things, he still had to get up on Sunday morning, he still had to put on a suit and tie, and he still had to preach the word of God, he still had to be encouraging, he still had to lead the church, despite the fact that his heart was broken, his heart was full of anxiety over his daughter. But, but, what he had was a church, a church that prayed, and every Tuesday night they would gather together and they would pray for people in that church. And one of the people that they prayed for time and time again was Chrissy, bringing her to the throne of God, crying out to God, pleading for God to, for her to come back to her home and to her family. Well, one Saturday morning, uh, Pastor Jim said that uh, Carol came uh, running to the bottom of the stairs. He was up in the bathroom shaving, and she said, Jim, quick, come downstairs. It's Chrissy. So he came downstairs, he went into the kitchen, and there was Chrissy. She fell on her knees before her father, and she was sobbing, and she said, Daddy, Daddy, I am so sorry who was praying for me Tuesday night because God came to me and God said that if I did not repent, if I did not turn from my ways, that I would suffer for all of eternity. Daddy, would you please forgive me? And Jim embraced her with loving arms. Carol embraced her with loving arms. And now Chrissy is married to a wonderful man of God. Chrissy and her husband lead a church, a growing church in the city of Chicago because her father was confident, not in himself, but confident in the teaching of the Word of God. And despite all that Satan threw at him, God delivered him and God delivered his daughter. 
So men, God calls you and me to be confident, not in ourselves, but in confident in God because God wants to bear fruit in our lives and he wants to bear fruit that will be lasting in the lives of our children. So the third thing that I want you to see this morning, therefore with all this, God is our great encouragement. God encourages you and me as dads. God encourages you and me as grandfathers. We need to be encouraged so that we can encourage our children because of all the things that they face, all the temptations of the world, all the struggles of the world that they face, we need to constantly be an encouragement in their lives. Listen to the word of God in Colossians 2, verse 2. My goal is that they may be encouraged in hearts and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. God wants you and me to be rooted and grounded in the presence, the power, the glory, the love, the grace of Jesus Christ. And he wants that to be an encouragement every moment of every day in our lives so that we can be an encouragement to our children every moment of every day in our lives. And that's what the Apostle Paul is teaching these young believers that are in a panic in verse 16. Now listen to this. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father. Our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father. Now listen. What God wants to do particularly for us as men he wants to bring our heads and our hearts together. So many times we as guys can say, yeah, I know Jesus is my Savior. I know someday I'm going to go to heaven. But because we're men, we get caught up in the things of this world. We get broken by the things of this world. And we forget that he's our Lord. And that, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big thing, guys. Because if he's our Lord, that means that we are to submit to his authority. You see, we're conditioned to do it on our own. Pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. Gut it out. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is that you and I would be humble before God, that he would be our Lord. And that's exactly what Jesus did. It said, our Lord and Savior and God our Father. You see, when Jesus walked the face of the earth, he was God, second member of the Trinity. Always was God, is God, always will be God. But he chose to humble himself and to be a son to God the Father so that he would set an example for you and me, that we would, be, uh, we would be humble before God, that he would be our father. You see, our children need to see that. They need to see the authority that God has given to us as father, but they need to see that our heads and our hearts are together in all of this. So that's why Paul goes on to say this. God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope. Grace. That's what this is all about. The unconditional love of God given to us in Jesus Christ. Perfect forgiveness. Eternal forgiveness. Perfect grace. Perfect love given to us in Christ Jesus. One time for all time forever. It's easy for us to forget that, but God doesn't want us to forget that. He says it's a wonderful comfort, for, particularly for us as dads. Now, in the grace of God, it's very easy to, to do this. In the grace of God, it's very easy to say, well, God has forgiven me all of my sins, and which is a wonderful thing, so man, I can just go live any way I want. But that's not the grace of God. You're not understanding the filling of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Your kids can't see that. They, see, they need to see a man that's humble before, before God, surrendered to God, so that they too will surrender to God. Now listen. They are tempted by worldly passions. 
They are tempted by the things of this world. They are tempted to rebel against God. And it is your job and it is my job to bring correction into their lives. It's okay for you and me to tell them, no, I don't want you doing that. Get a clue, okay? Listen to what the Word of God says in uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Now listen to this. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. God wants our children to live, live self-controlled lives. He doesn't want our children's lives to be destroyed by all the things of the world, to be chasing all of these things, broken by all these things, broken relationships, broken marriages, uh, brokenness in life. He wants them to live godly lives. But they've got to see it in us first. They've got to see the plan in us. They've got to see the fruit in us. They've got to see the effectiveness that God is doing in our lives. And he does it when he heals our hearts. Listen to what he says in the last verse. By his grace he gave us eternal comfort and wonderful hope. Encourage your heart and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. Encourage your heart. You know, when I was preparing this, I did a word search on, on heart in, just in the New Testament. And just in the New Testament alone, excluding the, the book of Revelation, the, the word heart was there 145 times. God is concerned about your heart. He doesn't want it to be stubborn. He doesn't want it to be calloused. He doesn't want you to have a broken heart. He wants you to have a tender heart. He wants you to have a loving heart. He wants you to have a, a kind heart. He wants you to have a caring heart. Well, that happens when you allow him to encourage you, when you allow him to bring your head and your heart together. That's what God wants to do, particularly in us as guys. So many times our hearts are broken. So many times we're confused in life. But God wants to heal us as guys so that we can be healers in our families. That, that, we, that we, as we would be spiritual leaders in our families. So he comes to heal us in our head and in our heart. Oh, my word, God has got a plan for us as men. He loves us as men. He cares for us as men. He wants to be effective in our lives so that we will be effective in the lives of our children. There is a, um, there's a we can see in professional sports, all through pro professional sports, that the, these high-paid athletes are prima donnas. And so the coaches have to tread lightly with these high-paid prima donnas because they don't want to lose them. They don't want them to go to another team or whatever. But there are exceptions to the rule. There's, let me give you two exceptions to the rule. First one is uh, Aaron Rodgers. Some of you may know him. He's the, uh, the great quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Well, the coaching staff of the Green Bay Packers say that Aaron Rodgers is, is a, an incredible student of football. And Aaron Rodgers himself says, I simply love to be coached. I love to sit down with the coaches. I love the conversation. I love the dialogue. I love the strategy. I love to listen to the plans that they have. I love to have them tell me what I need to do in the game and throughout the game. I just love to be coached. Now, the second one is Steph Curry. Steph uh, Curry is the, the, the great player for the Golden State Warriors. They just became the world champions once again. And that's what the coaches say about Steph Curry. One of his coaches says, says that he's educable. I don't even know if there's a word, educable.
But whatever it is, uh, the coaches say that he, they, they just love him because, once again, he's one who listens and then he executes. He loves to be coached, loves to listen to what they tell him to do, and he loves to go out and, and execute. Now, if you think about that for a minute, it makes sense. It makes sense why these two guys in particular are so successful. They understand what the coaches are doing is equipping them for the game of football and basketball. It makes sense because they know that they have confidence. They have confidence in the coach, and because there's confidence in the coach, they can have confidence in their own abilities. But they also know the coach is always there to encourage them. Even when they lose, even when they make mistakes, the coaches are there to encourage them. Now, once again, guys, that's the plan that God has for you and me. He reminds us, listen, I love you, and I am equipping you. I want you to have confidence not in yourself. I want you to have confidence in God, in me, in Jesus. And I want you to know that no matter what, I am there to encourage you. I am with you no matter what happens. So what it helps us understand, my friends, is that God has a plan for you and me as dads and as grandparents to bear fruit, and he wants us to be effective. Let's pray. God, we thank you. You are amazing. You are wonderful beyond imagination. And God, I thank you so much that you made me a dad. I thank you so much that you've made, allowed me to be a granddad. It is a blast. I don't deserve it. And none of us do, God, but that's the blessing that you pour into our lives. And I just can't thank you enough. And Lord, I, I just love the men of this church. I thank you for them. They are such a blessing to me. And God, it's my deepest wish, deep down in my heart, that you would bless them today. And so I'm going to ask you, if you're a father or a grandfather, would you just stand right where you are? Would you please stand? And would somebody say that in French? Pastor, would you say that in French? If you're a father or a grandfather, please stand right where you are. And Pastor Jacques, would you, would you translate for me? God, I thank you for fathers and grandfathers. These are wonderful men. They face many trials. So many of them have children in Africa. They love their children. They want their families to be here. We pray you will make that possible. In the meantime, I ask you, God, that you would bless these men richly and deeply in their souls. We thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the rest of us, give my hand clap and praise. And would you all stand with us and let's sing all the people said amen.